This is Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's, The Burger Boys. Hello once again, Cougar Nation. Good Monday. Welcome back inside Studio B at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo for our Week 10 edition of the Coordinator's Corner, our weekly football conversation with the coordinating coaches. Coming up on today's show, we'll look back at the Cougars' trip back east to West Virginia and ahead to the Saturday's Bowl Eligibility Showdown with Iowa State Visiting today with special teams coordinator Kelly Papinga and defensive coordinator Jay Hill. BYU now 5-4 on the season after the Mountaineers' 37-7 win in Morgantown. Let's get into it with BYU's special teams coordinator, defensive ends coach Kelly Papinga. Coach, good to see you once again. Yeah, good to be back. All right, uh, first and only trip to the Eastern time zone this season, this past week. How did the prep routine for you guys change as a result? Yeah, um, you know, we uh, everything was normal Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all was normal. And then we had a quick turnaround to where... Uh, we practiced Thursday morning, which we usually don't do, and then got on the plane uh, Thursday afternoon, where it's typically practice Thursday afternoon, get on the plane Friday. And uh, so I didn't feel like that affected our team at all. I actually thought our Thursday morning practice was one of the better ones we'd had all year long. And, um, you know, and back-to-back -back weeks traveling to Texas, Texas uh, traveling to West Virginia, we wanted to get out there a little bit earlier and be able to just get our guys off their legs a little bit and get, you know, acclimated to the time change and to the area. And uh, I thought it was great. I thought just the preparation leading into it, I don't think there was anything. And I felt a really good vibe the whole time we were there mm -hmm. Thursday and Friday night. Did a day before um, the game walk through there on Friday, yeah, right? Yep. We were there Friday, did our walk through there on Friday, and then um, had a great team activity Friday night where we got together and and we've done this the last couple of weeks, probably the last three or four weeks, where we get together as a team and just play a bunch of games Friday night and a bunch of stuff going on. And I just felt a really good vibe. Mm. And really, the, the result of the game was not obviously um, what we were expecting at all and uh, just didn't play our best. Yeah, the result undoubtedly impacts your impressions of the trip overall. But in terms of a football atmosphere and environment, that neck of the woods, what did you make of Morgantown and Milan Pushkar Stadium? Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I was a little disappointed. I had heard all these great stories about how crazy the fans were. A little were. more subdued than you thought? Yeah, the fans were too nice, and it was probably because they were just <laughs> kicking our butts. I don't know. But uh, I would just I was actually like anticipating a little more trash talk from the fans. And a little more hostility? A little more, you know, I think we talked last week, a little more like Laramie. Mm -hmm. um, but, no, it was great. I thought... Um, you know, really nice stadium, about 50,000 people, and I thought the, you know, got loud in there, and and uh, you know, very educated fan base, and you know, they they have their tradition there, and and uh, so it was fun to experience that. I'd heard a lot about it, and it was good to go there and and see. That's always fun to go to new places and right. uh, go to you know, playing games in stadiums that you've never played in before. So it was fun to see that, but um, just unfortunately for us, we just didn't play uh, up to our potential, and um, you know, that goes back to us as coaches primarily to get our guys prepared. West Virginia uh, was picked last in the 14-team Big 12, and they went into the game one win away from bowl eligibility. They got it. Uh, Neil Brown has his team and has his team all season really kind of playing with the, the proverbial uh, chip on the shoulder and playing fo good football at the same time. Yeah, I was impressed with them. I thought they came out and played really physical football. They knocked us around um, defensively and uh, really didn't see a ton of that on film going into it, to mm. be honest with you. Um, and just the way that we had played the run, really the last three weeks, um, even against TCU, you know, TCU, I felt like we played the run well. Um, and we, you've been keeping teams yeah. under your, under their numbers for the yeah, most part yeah. on, on the ground. Yeah, and you know, I just I was really surprised just the way that um, you know we weren't attacking the way that we had been attacking. Uh, we didn't tackle the way that we'd been tackling. 
um, didn't play our gaps the way we'd been playing our gaps. And just, uh, yeah, we were just out of sorts. And really that first drive, we kind of got out of it and really could never find our way back into it. And had a couple opportunities here and there, even in that first drive, even, even not fitting the run as well as we probably should have. Um, we have a chance, you know, fourth and one to be able to get out of that first drive. And we have guys right there. And then yeah. the last couple weeks, we're making those tackles. We're pushing them back. And in that situation, we make the tackle and they push forward and they get the first down and then go on to score. And, um, but uh, yeah, just like I said before, as coaches, we got to prepare our guys better. From a special teams coordinator perspective first, what did you see as your biggest challenge or opportunity going into yeah, West Virginia? I felt exactly what happened in the game. I felt our biggest opportunity going into that game was taking advantage of, of their kickoff team um, our, with our kickoff return game, and I thought we did a great job of that in the game. Unfortunately, you know, we get one call back that uh, ends up being a, a call that, you know, you could say either way, probably could go either way. Um, and, uh, but other than that, we had, I think, two or three other big returns. Um, on top of that, one that we could have been better at, we missed a block on, and if we make the block on that one, uh, that one potentially goes to as well. But the first, really the first kickoff of the game, the first kickoff return that we had, if uh, Keelan hits it in the right spot, the same place he hits it when he scores the touchdown, mm. we maybe on the first kickoff of the game probably go go the distance as well. Mm. And he just bounced it instead of uh, hitting the crease. And so just, you know, it's, it's hard as a kick returner. Those windows are so tight sometimes. Um, the one where we, you know, score, which gets called back. The window was really big because our guys did a great job. But in that first one, he's just got to trust the return, hit a little tighter, and that one has a chance to be a big return as well. So I, we're feeling really confident in Keelan right now. I think the guys that are out there blocking for him are very confident in him, which I think that combination is very, very important. And uh, I think that team's, you know, going in the right direction at the right time right now. We'll take a look on video at that return that was called back a bit later. As a defensive ends coach perspective now, uh, you had just faced three consecutive quarterbacks who are not necessarily going to hurt you in the run game, but Garrett Green was going to be a very mobile quarterback, a uh, good playmaker with his legs you had coming in. Yeah, you know, he was a guy that uh, we felt like there was a little injury there that we didn't know how much he was going to run. I think they ran him just enough in that game where, um, you know, just to keep us on us, but we just felt like if we, could, if we could get him in situations where he had to throw the ball and drop back pass, um, I mean, he was only 50% on right, the game, which right. is not. And the know, season, more or less, 53-ish. Yeah. And yeah. we, you know, and those, I, mean, I, think, I think there are thir uh, three out of ten on third downs, which goes to show, you know, kind of what we were thinking. If we got him in those situations, we were, we were going to be able to get out of them. But, um, you know, as far as his legs went, you know, I think he extended a couple plays and scrambles, and then he had, um, you know, one or two runs there uh, that were QB design run stuff that we just didn't, we just didn't fit up right. And unfortunately for us, I mean, you know, there's no excuses. We just, we got to play better. And. Um, I didn't think he really hurt us in the run game, um, but I don't think they really tried because I felt, you know, like we said, we knew there was an injury of his. I think his right ankle was a little banged up, and I don't think they were going to really rely on him like they had had in games past. Okay. Uh, first interesting note from the game actually came on the coin toss. West Virginia elected to receive the ball, and you might go two or three seasons and not yeah. see a team take the ball to begin the game. When you see a team choose to take the ball, that's kind of a direct challenge to your defense, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah, and we knew it right away. I mean, any team that does that, they, they want to be able to start the game fast and be able to go down and score. And, and uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, that's kind of what how they wanted to start the game. You could tell they wanted to get out on top and be able to then control the football. I think that was ultimately what they wanted to do was get up, you know, get get the lead and then be able to control the ball and run the clock and keep our offense off the field. And, and uh, yeah, their game plan worked and, you know, like I said before, we had our opportunity that yeah. first drive on that fourth down to be able to make a play, and we didn't. Yeah, it only, that, that opening drive was kind of West Virginia doing West Virginia things. They came in as a top five possession time team and a really good rushing team, and they go 11 plays, 75 yards, five minutes. They get to that one third down. You stop them. 
didn't make it, but they convert the fourth. And uh, of the 11 plays on the drive, seven were runs. They knew what they wanted to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, <laughs> going into the game, we felt like those backs were good. We didn't know they were going to be that good. And, uh, you know, number four right there, I you know, give credit to him. He ran hard. Our guys had a hard time tackling him. And this is the fourth down play right here where we have them. Mm. And then just that little extra effort, hope, you know, Man, if we could have gotten crew over off that block a little sooner, he probably helps out on that. And then, uh, you know, they come back with a play-action pass right there. And uh, then, you know, this PI call right there, that's uh, questionable. I thought, you know, we thought it was a flop call. But ultimately, at the end of the day, um, we, uh, yeah, we got to be tougher. We got to be more physical, more disciplined. We got to execute better. Um, and that just, to me, all comes down to, to coaching and making sure your guys are prepared. I, yeah. I, I got this saying from Bronco a long time ago, uh, your players will play how they're prepared to play. Mm. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, you see the result, you see what happened. We did not prepare them to the level they needed to be. And, you know, I'll never put blame on a player. I always think as coaches, you got to look at yourself first and be able to just um, make sure that, you know, their mindset's right, but then also we're putting them in the right positions to make plays. And then ultimately, they need to go out there and then do, your, do yeah. their job, and uh, we just didn't do that at a high level. Early in the game after that uh, opening drive, BYU got into West Virginia territory, lost yards on a fourth and two, so gave it over on downs. The dynamic between an OC and a special teams coordinator is an important one, isn't it? Uh, you more or less know when A-Rod is going to be in four-down territory, yeah. don't you? Yeah, for sure, yeah. So when it gets to fourth down, really even into third down, I'm, I'm listening to, to the offense. Not saying much. I'm, you know, not, I'm just really waiting for um, what number they want to get to um, to be able to go for it. And once they get to that number, more times than not, we're going to go for it. And uh, so I'm just listening for, for that. And, and uh, you know, with Kalani and with A-Rod, they want to be pretty aggressive with those fourth down plays. And, and I think we've, you know, over the years, they've been very successful with playing, um, playing those numbers on fourth down. And so, uh, yeah, just listening in. And, you know, there's always different things we're talking about, too, as well. There's certain fakes that we have. There's certain, you know, we're kind of outweighing, you know, do we have a fake that's better than their play that they want to call on fourth down? Mm -hmm. Or is it a situation in the game where really we need to punt it away? And I think Kalani alluded to it on that first drive. Uh, probably be being a little too aggressive on the first drive at the 50-yard line. I think it was fourth and two. Um, I think Kalani, after the game, said, he, you know, kind of looking back in hindsight, he kind of wishes he would have probably kicked it right there, um, you know, that early in the game. But, you know, they made a good play. And, um, our offense was moving the ball well. You know, yeah. it was one of those things where I thought Jake played a really good game, and I thought there was a lot of really good stuff done offensively. We just got in that territory. It's like we crossed the 50 and uh, just couldn't uh, couldn't finish drives. And, and uh, you know, to their credit, they played well. Yeah, following the turnover on downs, West Virginia scored against you down 14 nothing. And, boy, you'd sure love to be, play, be playing with a lead on the road at some point because you've been having these early deficits away from home that have kind of put you on the back heel every, every game. Yeah, yeah, we, we got to start faster, you know. And even going back to the Arkansas game that we ended up coming back, uh, that game was the same where we're down 14-0. Yeah. And the same thing happens at TCU and the same thing happens at Texas. So it's something we got to fix and we got to start fast. And really, at, ultimately, at the end of the day, when you execute and you do your job, um, then plays are made and then you go out there and put points on the board or yeah. put points off the board. And so we just, we got to put everything together and we got to, we got to stop that habit of being on the road and having that happen. And, you know, fortunately for us at home, we've been able to start fast and, um, and I don't want to play into that. Hey, we're better at home. We're not better. You know, we're not as good on the road. It's just kind of how it's turned out. And sometimes, you know, some season goes the other way. You start slow at home and it just right now, this team, we got to, we got to be able to attack the same way we're attacking at home, we've got to be able to do that on the road. You can't feel yeah. that way through. Because the flip side of it is that BYU under Kalani is a great front runner. Uh, the Cougs are 36-9 and nine 
when they score first, just getting out in front first. And at home, that record goes to 21 and 5. So here's hoping for the stronger start against Iowa State on Saturday because when you guys do get out in front, it tends to be a lead you hold. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I always contribute that to, to special teams, honestly. You know, the game, how I say the game, you know, they say kickoff. Kickoff is at what time? It's at 8.15. It doesn't say offense starts at 8.15 or defense starts at 8.15. <laughs> kickoff is at 8.15. And so whatever that kickoff opportunity is, if it's our kickoff team, if our kickoff return team's going out there at 8.15, uh, we're, the, we're, we're setting the tone for the game. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm excited about Saturday night, getting yeah. back in LaBelle Edwards Stadium, being able to set the tone for that game and helping the team start fast. I want to hit a couple of points from the game still. Uh, early in the second quarter, you're down 14-zip. You've got a fourth and two at the West Virginia 35. This would be a 52-yarder if you go for it there. BYU went for it on fourth and failed to convert. Was there a thought to give Will a shot on that one? Um, you know, you it, wasn't until, yeah, it wasn't until later on in the game. I think we were, you know, when you get down um, in those situations, especially on the road, you're gonna, you, need, you need touchdowns. Yeah. And especially that, um, we, we typically say Will's range is right around, we can get the ball to the 33. Um, and so it was just right outside. And then later on in the game, I actually think we, we do kick a 50-yarder. Um, because in that situation now we're just wanting to get points on the board. Um, and, uh, and Will has plenty of leg. It's just, you know, sometimes the farther you get, the accuracy for the kicker. And he's been accurate inside of 50. He's been really good inside the 50-yard line. So, um, but, yeah, we, we talked about it. But, you know, A-Rod felt like he had a good yeah. play. And, and uh, yeah, we just <laughs> we got to be able to execute yeah. and finish drives as, you know, A-Rod would get in here and say that. If there was going to be a shot to get back in the game, I felt it was going to come uh, final drive of the first half because you were going to get the first drive of the second or the first touch at least in the yeah. second half. Um, but the only turnover on the night happens on, on a fumble inside the 20. Kind of took some air out of the sails yeah, on that before yeah, halftime. That, that was a tough one because we're, we're driving, moving the ball well. Yeah. And the guys are moving. And Parker made some big plays on this drive and is making a big play here. And, and uh, their guy makes a great play right there. Number two does a great job of attacking the ball and ripping it out. And, you know, for them, then they go down. I think they end up kicking the field goal to end the, end the half. And, yeah. And, yeah, it's a totally different game right there if we, you know, obviously go down there, we put some points on the board right here and then start the game or start the second half with yeah. that kick return. And, and uh, yeah, it's just the, the game of football is a crazy game. comes down to itch, itch, inches sometimes. And, you know, there's one or two plays. You, you can probably pick in each game probably anywhere, I, I say, from five to seven plays you can take in the game. And those are the, game, those are the plays that change the game. And, you know, unfortunately for us, that was a play that changed it for us and was, you know, a positive for them. Down 27 nothing at the break. From a defensive standpoint, what did you guys hope to adjust at halftime for half number yeah, two? Yeah, we just, we, we knew being up, you know, a team being up 27 to zero, they're going to come out and establish the run. So it was just making a couple adjustments um, with our front um, and certain ways, certain things that we wanted to play it. And uh, we just knew that, hey, guys, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to be able to call our base defense, get out there and play. Um, good run technique fundamental football and uh, we did a better job in the second half but by then it was just too late and and uh, just didn't make enough plays down the stretch to help us get back in it winning or losing how big can a halftime be uh, for a, a staff in terms of actual things that tactically get get done at the yeah, break there's there's a lot of things that are that are done typically the the adjustments are very minimal um, because you've seen so much film going into the game and for the most part, most teams just stay to what they do. And they, these guys didn't show us anything different than what they had done. Maybe a little more counter 
um, than what they had shown. Um, and, you know, that's typically what our defense sees anyway, just the way that we play. We see a little more counter, so we knew it was coming. Um, but we had to adjust our front a little bit of how to play that a little bit better. But um, with them, they were running counter, they were running wide zone. We knew that we were going to get that. It was just us executing and doing our job to be able to fit that. And then we just didn't tackle great. We had a lot of missed tackles, probably more missed tackles than we'd had all season long. In any so, game you had? Yeah, yeah and wow. so putting all that together, just, you know, that was a combination for a, a, big, a big night for them and yeah. not a great night for us. So. All right, break time. As we head to break, a reminder to join Dave McCann and former Cougars Blaine Fowler and David Nixon tomorrow night for a brand new episode of After Further Review. They'll look the back at this past Saturday's game at West Virginia and ahead to Iowa State tomorrow's 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app or ESPN+. Plus. When we come back, we'll close the book on Saturday's game in Morgantown. As the Coordinator's Corner continues, we're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Stay with us. Back on the coordinator's corner, BYU now 5-4 and four on the season, 2-4 and four in the Big 12 after a 37-7 setback this past Saturday in Morgantown, West Virginia. BYU not back there until 2027, as we saw in the Big 12 football scheduling matrix, came out a few days ago. This upcoming Saturday, it's BYU home to Iowa State. The winner will get bowl eligible, both teams coming in off a loss in their last game. We're back with BYU special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach Kelly Papinga. Uh, on that note, uh, you were busy with so many other things. Did the schedule thing cross your desk at any point last week uh, about how yeah, it breaks yeah, down? We saw, we saw a little bit of it, went over as a defensive staff, and just, um, you know, next week looks pretty good. Being uh, Our next year looks pretty good being, uh, I think we get five home games, right. right? So that's always fun, and then we only, we got to go to Central Florida, one East Coast game. Uh, but I felt like, um, you know, really out of all the games, all the teams that are playing well right now in the Big 12, seems like our tougher games um, we'll be at home, which is always a positive. You know, obviously the rivalry game will be um, on the road, but um, yeah. And it was fun. going to be anyway. BYU yeah. was already scheduled yeah. to be at Utah next yep. year anyway yeah. as a non-conference so, game. So that's, but to me, like the universe has been restored. That game is supposed to be played, you know, and hopefully they put it the last game of the year. Right. You know, and, you know, Thanksgiving weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, all my, all, people always ask me, oh, what do you think about that? I'm like, yeah, that's what it should be. That's what, you know, that's what BYU and Utah are all about. we got to play every year, and so it'll be exciting to get back into that. Yeah, one of four Big 12 protected rivalries. So back to West Virginia for a second. You're down 27 nothing at halftime. You need a shot in the arm, and it looked like BYU was going to get one. Uh, the re you received the opening kickoff of the second half, and it appeared that BYU had that uh, long-awaited kickoff return touchdown. Yeah. It would have been the first one in nine years, yeah. as you well know. Yeah. You said this could be the year, and it looked like uh, Keelan had it, but it gets called back. Let's maybe take a look at it and see what the officials saw and, and, and why this may or may not have been one that uh, either gets let go or, yeah. or, or doesn't get called every time. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is a play. It was the main return that we ran the whole game. And uh, we, uh, they knew it was coming. <laughs> so that's the great thing about it, I think, as a coach, is when you know the other team knows what you're going to do and you execute it. But Ray Paul, who makes a great block right there, he had two or three of those throughout the game. And so our back end guys, Ray and uh, Ethan Erickson, Mesa Fakuhua, they, they did a great job of opening that up. We had a great double team right there. And then, unfortunately, Glasker, um, you'll probably see it around the 30-yard line right there. He has a guy that ends up falling down to the ground right there. He pulls him with his left hand down the ground. And, as an official calls that, he says anytime they see somebody on the ground, they're looking at why did he fall down? Did he trip? Mm. Did somebody throw him down to the ground? Um, and, you know, the thing that is always frustrating is when I don't think that guy would have made that play. I think the ball had already passed. And uh, now that call was made when, uh, you know, it's behind the play. And so 
shoot, I was celebrating with the guys, and then yeah. somebody tapped me on the shoulder. It's like, Coach, there's a flag. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Then I went just, I was just sad. <laughs> and it, feel, it felt like a yeah. long delay. In fact, I was ready to call the PAT yeah. when the announcement's yeah. being made on the penalty. Yeah, so. it, was, it was a tough one. And, it, you know, it's something that we talk about every single week is that it's time to break that streak, and we thought it was broken. But, shoot, we get another opportunity this week. Um, to be able to go out there and have an opportunity to do it now in front of the home crowd, which is the last time we did it uh, with Adam Hine yeah. um, back in 2014. But, uh, you know, I, like I said earlier, I think our guys believe in Keelan. Uh, Hobbs is a great off returner. He made some great blocks in the game, um, and he has all throughout the season. He's done maybe one of the best off returners I've ever been around um, as far as just making sure you're picking up the most dangerous. But I, I feel like we got our frontline guys in there that are going to go in there and, and battle and, and win their one-on-ones and, and uh, yeah, besides that return right there, we had another return about out to the 35, and then they got sick of uh, us returning it, and then they decided to kick one to Hobbs, and then Hobbs ends up returning one almost out to the 50 yeah. line. So um, I thought we did a great job with our kickoff return team setting up field position for our offense, and uh, just got to continue to do that. Yeah, average starting field position ended up being even yeah. on the night. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you as a special teams coordinator have rules for your blockers on kick return, other than the obvious one of don't come in a penalty? <laughs> yeah, so there's there's different guys that we're blocking. Uh, so for every return, there's certain guys that each guy is blocking. Um, there's a number system that we use, which most teams use. Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, going into the game, they know who they're going to be blocking most of the time. There's different ways, and West Virginia did it, where they try to get your uh, – get your front line to get get miscounts it's a thing we call them snakes where they motion before the ball is kicked to try to screw up your count um, mm. but our guys did a great job of identifying their guys and not getting screwed up with the count um, and so yeah it was it's fun to see that progression of the team because um, early in the season we had Parker in there and then Parker goes down and then Keelan steps up and then I thought he's done a he's done a great job since yeah. we've, since he's been going so I'm excited to see him continue to go I think he has the right mindset he's aggressive uh, you know, I, I, I talk about those guys got to be fearless, and he's a guy that every time we're in the huddle, he's looking at me, he has wide eyes, like he's ready, he's, mm. I mean, he's wanting to do, he wants to take the ball out nine yards deep. And I'm like, oh, no, but he's like, yeah. we got to fair catch those. But yeah, I like his aggressiveness a lot. After the callback kick return, BYU went three and out on offense. Thought there might be a chance of getting the ball back. Uh, Ryan Rico drew a running into, but not a roughing the kicker mm. call. Was that the right call? Yeah, it was the right call. I, I you know, uh, I was hoping that he got a little bit more of a piece of Ryan, but they brought some pressure there. And uh, our shield right now, our protection in the back end right there with Batty and Bruce Mitchell and then Simi uh, Moala that are in the back. Those Two of those guys are brand new with uh, just injuries with uh, Caden Haas being out and John Nelson being out. So we had to have those two guys in there. And, and uh, they brought some, yeah, they brought some pressure, which we knew they were going to do. And uh, just we got to get Bruce to be a little more stout right there. And we knew 55 is one of their D linemen. He was going to come hard. But the great thing about Ryan, he has great operation. Um, he gets the ball out quick. One of the best I've ever been around of how fast he's able to receive the punt, be able to get it off of his foot and get it out. Um, and so because of his good operation right there, we were able to get the ball out. And, and uh, uh, yeah, I think that ended up being a 51-yard net right there. And we had the opportunity to re-kick that ball right there. But with a 51-yard net, yeah. you, you take that every, every time. And so... Um, you know, I was happy the way that Ryan punted throughout the game. He had to punt only four times on the night, 45-yard average, maybe a bit off his season numbers, but no punt returns allowed on the night. And BYU came into the game 
having defended more punt returns than any other team in the country. Was zero punt returns the result of an adjustment for you guys oh, yeah. last week? Yeah, we talked a lot all week long about hang time and uh, net out kicking our coverage and, and getting our guys off of blocks. I think the combination of both, it's not just Ryan, it's also the guys being able to do their protection and then get out and go. And then uh, Maury, he's been, he's been great. He's been getting down there fast, even going back to the last, uh, to the Texas game. Uh, he gets down there quick. Uh, but yeah, we can see the pressure that we're putting on him right there. We're getting down there fast. And then I think the rest of the night, it was Maury just went in his one-on-ones. You can see him up top right now. He beats the double team, stacks him. And that guy almost fumbled it right mm-hmm. there, almost muffed it. Uh, this is the one we just talked about right here, kicking out of the kicking out of the end zone. But once again, there's Maury forcing yep. the fair catch. So, you know, we're, you could say uh, we were missing Marcus McKenzie for a little bit, but I think Mark uh, Maury's done a great job stepping up. Uh, now we just gotta gotta get him to tackle, uh, which he did. He went out on defense and showed that he that he's willing. Um, and so yeah, I'm anxious for the, the for the next returner not to want a fair catch. And the returner we're playing this week's one of the best in the country. Yeah, so he's indeed. number two, number two in kickoff returns. Um, not as good in punt returns, but he's a good punt returner. So yeah, we got a great challenge ahead of us this week. Uh, Marcus going to get back the season? You hope? We're hoping. Okay. We're hoping. It's a kind of a week by week deal. Okay. And so. Uh, yeah, we'll, we're hoping uh, that he can get back out there and help us. By the way, BYU remains a top 25 net punt team with Ryan Rico ranking third in, in average punt distance. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think we're 22nd, back to 22nd. I think we're 24th a week ago. And so we hit our goal, which our goal is 42 net um, for the game. And uh, we, uh, I think we're close to 46 on the night. Um, so, but yeah, that's always, that's more than likely going to happen when you're not uh, having to cover any, any returns. And so great job by Ryan. He did a great job, not just with his hang time, but placing the ball exactly where we needed to be placed. Um, you know, what we don't want to do is put the ball in the middle of the field to give that returner more space to cover. Um, now we're putting it near a sideline and narrowing up the field for him and the options of returns go away. And so uh, I thought he, it was, I thought it was his best game overall as far as just placing the ball where it needed to be placed, the hang time that we needed, and still meeting our net punt at the same time. Okay, before the break, let's get to our special teams player of the week. Who did you ID from West Virginia? Yeah, so Ray Palu uh, made some great blocks on kickoff return and then also is on our PAT field goal uh, team as well. And so uh, just the, the mindset and the physicality that he brings, uh, it was fun to see him out there. That was his first game uh, really live. Um, mm. He'd been in practice all week. And so we made a change after last week, put Ray in there. And uh, I thought he did a great job going in there and just uh, making some key blocks. If you go back and watch the very first kickoff return of the game, maybe the biggest hit of the game is Ray. Okay. And uh, really fun to see that happen. And the guys were super fired up for him. And it you know, brought some energy to the sideline, which I think big hits you know, do that. All right. Congrats to Ray Paolo. This Saturday, tune in to Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio starting at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain as the Cougars get back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium to host Iowa State as we go to break. A reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody from burgers to wings, shakes to salads. JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fort, Provo, South Jordan, and Harriman. Coming up next, a final segment with BYU Special Teams Coordinator Kelly Papinga. You're in the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you by JCW's, The Burger Boys, and Intermountain Health, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. 
Final segment with BYU Special Teams Coordinator Kelly Papinga. The segment presented by Intermountain Health, official medical provider of BYU Athletics. After back-to-back -back road games, BYU now home for consecutive games against Iowa State and Oklahoma. A pair of five and four teams meeting up this Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. The winner will punch its postseason ticket and become the seventh bowl-eligible team out of the Big 12. No other team can get eligible this weekend in the Big 12. How much was that a rallying cry or a motivating factor for the guys knowing that next win is a pretty important one? Oh, yeah. We, you know, being bowl eligible is really important as a program because you get those extra practices. Really, it's like getting an extra spring ball. And so um, whenever you're, uh, you know, in a battle, you know, and they're going to they're going to be thinking the same exact thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot to play for this weekend. And uh, I know our guys are excited about that and anxious to get back on the field. You've played six of nine Big 12 games this year. How does the Big 12 compare to the ACC uh, league you coached in for years? Uh, I think this I think this league is more physical. I think it has better running backs and uh, better schemes, you know, and I haven't coached there in two years now, but I just think in general tougher, uh, more physical football mm. is being played in this league and uh, you know, it's it's not as spread out. Uh, I think things are uh, yeah, you're just getting run game and teams want to run the football more here than what we, you know, what I experienced in the ACC. Okay, uh, you're into work on Iowa State now. You already noted uh, they're second nationally in kickoff returns with a great returner, a good field goal kicker as well uh, from a special teams and even their offensive perspective as well. Uh, your thoughts on the Cyclones? Yeah, just, you know, anxious to get back on the field number one and, and show, you know, put our, put our brand out there who we really are and what we've you know, done some great things this year, and we didn't show that great on Saturday. And so being able to just get out there and put our, our brand on there, who we really believe we are. And, and uh, you know, like you've noted, uh, great challenge. You know, yep. I always love going against great returners. And so uh, I think he had a big return last week as well against Kansas. And so uh, he's one of their top, top receivers as well. So it'll be good to be able to see our kickoff cover team go down and do some great things against him. And, and uh, like you noted as well, their field goal unit is good as well. So be able to put some pressure on them, design some things to hopefully block some kicks. But uh, just anxious to, you know, like I said before, anxious to get back out there and play our brand of football. And eager to play in front of an impactful Lavelle Edwards Stadium home crowd as well oh, Saturday yeah. night. It's always fun to get back into LES and, and get that crowd go going and uh, get that fan support, which we're excited to be back in front of those uh, diehard Cougar fans. Kelly, always great to be with you. Uh, thanks for joining us today, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, appreciate you. Thank you. All right, thank you, Coach Popinga. Tomorrow night, you can join us for BYU football with Kalani Sitake. You'll enjoy a full hour of conversations with the coach and a player guest in front of a live Studio C audience tomorrow night, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Coming up next, we welcome in BYU's defensive coordinator and safeties coach, associate head coach, Jay Hill. As the coordinator's corner continues, we're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back after this. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. BYU coming off a 37-7 loss at West Virginia two days ago. BYU suffering back-to-back -back setbacks for the first time this season. Now it's back-to-back -back home games for the Cougs. BYU home to Iowa State this Saturday. Oklahoma follows the Cyclones to Provo. BYU has three games remaining in the regular season. Still looking for that next win that will send BYU to a bowl game in its first season as a Big 12 member. Our second half hour getting underway with BYU's defensive coordinator, safeties coach, and associate head coach, Jay Hill. Coach, good to see you once again. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Well, tough one. Saturday certainly uh, what did you think you'd be able to do as a defense at a higher level than maybe you did at West Virginia stop the run I didn't think there was any way they could consistently run it as effectively as they did just with the running back I thought they would have to use their quarterback more in the run game 
and that wasn't the case. We just need to be much more physical and much more uh, assignment sound. Yeah, you went through the month of October with three games against three backup quarterbacks, and then Saturday in Morgantown, you get the starter. Garrett Green is, a, is an effective quarterback. Um, average passer, but he is a good, even though he didn't run a lot, you knew, he, you knew coming into the game you were getting a good runner at that spot. Oh yeah, he can run, and he throws it effective enough because of how they use him with his legs uh, that you have to be prepared for it. They're good on their play action shots just because of what they do in their run game. Um, the reality is we just weren't nearly physical enough against the run games when they were handing the ball to the running back. And it was another Big 12 game with another good running back or two uh, for West Virginia. C.J. Donaldson and Jaheim White both rushed for 100-plus on this night. And the Big 12 as a league is producing some of the most productive backs in the country right now. Well, it is, and I've said it all along. It seems like each week you go into a game and everybody's got a really good running back. The emphasis on the run game in this league is very good. Most offenses are very creative with their run game, but this was the first time that we had seen this caliber of an offensive line with the creativity in the run game. Um, and the reality is they didn't do a lot of things that we weren't expecting. Uh, we just need to do a better job of execution. And there's also a reality in that uh, personnel-wise, you were down some big bodies inside on the, uh, on the defensive line. Well, it's true. You know, John Nelson's out and Caden Hawes was out and uh, Ben Bywater's out. And so a lot of those critical guys that play in the interior part of the defense weren't there. But we've said this all along. You, you cannot cry over injuries. And those are going to occur in the Big 12 where you're playing a big-time opponent week in, week out. Um, that's where the depth and the Big 12 recruiting and all that's going to come into play is we got to continue to bolster our depth so that when those injuries do occur that we're going in there and not having any fall off. Lessons are being learned this year. Well, we knew we were going to go through this. And, and people that didn't, I think, uh, would be a little bit naive. The reality is we've got to play better. We've got to do some things uh, tactically that we can execute better. Um, and we got to be able to respond in those back-to-back -back away games like we just had. We got to respond a little bit better in those situations. Let's say a couple of talking points from the game itself. Maybe we start with the fact that West Virginia actually elected to receive the opening kickoff. That's an increasingly rare call in college football. They wanted to go at your defense. Well, and I don't know if that's it, but the reality They wanted to open on they wanted their 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 game to get going. Yeah, they did, and we had multiple chances in that first drive to get out of it. You know, two pass interference calls that hurt us in that first drive. Um, and and that's really what got them down there and it's what uh, got them close to the end zone. So that hurt, uh, be, needing to be a little bit more stout in the run game, but we had them in two third downs, just got to get out of them. Uh, had them right here stopped on a fourth down and they barely get it. So yeah. we had our chances, uh, we just didn't um, execute at the high level that uh, we had been used to in the prior weeks. So. It, it's, it's hard to pinpoint a, a ton of important sequences when a game gets away, but, but the first drive was kind of like that prototypical West Virginia, what they want to do at least, 11 plays, 75 yards, five minutes, and more run than pass, and they got, then they did score with that first drive to, to open the game. Well, and they did, and again, it was no surprise what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, their philosophy on how they were trying to do it. We had the box loaded most of the game uh, to, to stop the run. 
uh, we just need to execute better in what we're doing. Uh, Kelly hit on it too with me, but uh, the early road deficits, having to play from behind away from home has been kind of a common theme so far this, uh, this year. Deficits like that, when they get away a little bit, the, the coordinators all end up having to change the way they call a game when, when it gets to where it was? Uh, or, or, or do you kind of stay, this is who we are? Well, I didn't think West Virginia was going to change that much other than when you get a 14 or a 21 point lead, now they can be a little bit more aggressive with their play action shots. and. You do have to worry about those a little bit more, uh, but they were going to run the ball in this game. Um, they were going to do what they did best. Uh, it's, it's hard for anybody to go back-to-back -back road games, especially when you're going Texas back home, then to West Virginia. We just got to handle those situations better as coaches, as players, in our preparation on, on uh, how we handle it. Um, something I put on myself, I felt like some of our best players were beat up after that Texas game, and I should have done a better job of getting those guys back fully healthy before we went into that. And, and that's a hard, fine line when you're facing such a good offense to say, oh, we're going to back off on practice when really you want to ratchet things up. But ratcheting things up on a team that's beat up a little bit was not the right thing to do, and um, that's on me. But what, what's, what's your alternative there? I mean, give a guy a week off and maybe go deeper down your depth or just take it easier in, in practice? Well, honestly, you, everyone should know my philosophy by now. I don't, I don't love backing off on guys. Uh, football's a tough game played by tough people, and, um, but you also got to be smart. And uh, we, had, we had a bunch of our really key guys that played a bunch of snaps in a very physical Texas game that at this stage in the season, we probably should have backed mm. off a little bit on those guys. Interesting. Uh, did you, I look at Arkansas, for example, you're down 14 nothing there, mm -hmm. but you came back and won, played quite well. Did 14 nothing here feel different? Like, were there more red flags to you maybe in Morgantown? Like, oh, this doesn't feel right tonight? No. We, we, we got to make plays. I mean, football's about making plays, and it's on all three phases. Someone needed to make a play on special teams or on defense or offense, and the reality is in this particular game, there just weren't a lot of big plays in our favor to kind of get momentum back going. In that Arkansas game, if you remember, we got down 14 nothing, then we get a stop and then the offense goes right down to score and then we get another stop, we go right down to score again. And there were some big plays being made on all phases of the game in that particular instance. And we just, we lacked that on Saturday. 130 rushing yards in the second quarter uh, for West Virginia when they kind of, not necessarily put a hammer down, but said this is who we're going to be tonight. And there was just a, an inability to maybe show the resistance you thought you could have. You already alluded to it. You thought you'd be tougher against the run. Well, I did. You know, we just we we came off a game at Texas where we were facing the best back maybe in the country, and we held them under 100 yards. Jonathan Brooks. Yeah. yeah. And if you had told me that you're going to hold the best back to under 100 yards, and then the next week two guys were going to go for over 100, I said you're crazy. But. Uh, the reality is, for whatever reason, we did not respond to West Virginia's physicality, to the road trip, to preparation, whatever it was, we just didn't respond the way we needed to. In a halftime locker room, do you get with the defense at some point there for a conversation, or is it more general, or is it position group? How do things go in a break like that? Well, I think uh, in that situation, Kalani tried to get on the players, I tried to get on the players. It was all about... Um, trying to respond the correct way. And the reality is we gave up one touchdown in the second half, um, and I think we played a little bit better. Most of the damage was done. Um, it could have been maybe a different game if we get that first kickoff return for a touchdown coming start out second half, to yeah. start the second half. And you just never know what's going to be the spark that brings you back. Um, 
I think it was one thing after another that just kind of kept at, at a lull and where we never just got our feet up underneath us. There was only one true takeaway in the game, and timing-wise on that one, too, if, if BYU scores before the half and then gets the ball to start the second half, that could have turned the game. That turnover inside the 20 was, was pretty crucial there right before halftime. Well, and, and again, it goes back to, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to say it, there were plays to be made yeah. in all phases. There were opportunities we had on defense. I thought there were two interceptions that we should have got where the quarterback throws the ball right down the middle of the field that could have been uh, key key turning points in that game and we didn't make them there was the fumble uh, going in right before half that could have sparked us the kick return that could have sparked us there were a lot of things that could change momentum and we just never made the play to get it done all right, fans, you can get ready for BYU and Iowa State this Saturday with BYU Sports Nation Game Day's expanded pregame coverage. It'll begin two hours prior to kickoff at 8 Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain Time on BYU TV. When we come back, Coach O will help us close the book on Saturday's setback at West Virginia. As the coordinator's corner continues, we are brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. We're back with more right after this. Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV is brought to you by... JCW's, The Burger Boys, Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years, and by Smith's, low prices, market fresh. All right, so welcome back to the Coordinator's Corner. Visiting with BYU's defensive coordinator, safeties coach, and associate head coach, Jay Hill. BYU now 5-4 on the year, 2-4 in the Big 12 after a 37-7 setback on Saturday at West Virginia. West Virginia gets bowl eligible with that win. This Saturday, BYU hosting Iowa State, and the winner of this weekend's game will qualify for the postseason. So you're down 27-0 at halftime in Morgantown, and uh, you've been on the other side of games where you lead big mm -hmm. in, in a second half. And so they were in a good place. Despite their 10 penalties, they didn't make the mistakes that can maybe bring a team back back into the game. They took pretty good care of the football. We talked earlier that there were maybe a couple takeaways that didn't quite happen that maybe were there for you in that game. Well, West Virginia is very well coached and they're tough. And they, you're right, they didn't make the mistakes that allowed us back in it. I think they played good field position football. Uh, they didn't turn it over. Their special teams were solid in what they were doing. Um, and we just, you know, we got behind the eight ball and never really could catch up without making those big plays that were going to change momentum. No sacks, four TFLs for BYU on the night. Did you think this team would have a higher sack and TFL number when you began looking at your personnel this season? I do, for sure. And as much as we blitz, we should have more disruption in the backfield. Um, again, I think that's uh, a tribute to the teams we're playing, are very well coached and do a good job of that. And then we got to be just a little more sound and nastier and when we bring our pressures of getting home. Um, there's opportunities there. We gotta be a little better with execution. Back into the game for one key moment early in the second half. In fact, it began the second half. It looked like BYU was going to get back in the game with that kickoff return touchdown to open the second half, but it came back and I missed the flag live. In fact, BYU setting up for the PAT. I was ready to call a PAT when I get a penalty announcement. A little, it was a little unusual on the, on the delay, and that could have been a, a game turner there for you. Well, I mean, that's you, you can cry over spilled milk. We can never do that, and and it's just there's going to be calls that go your way. There's going to be calls that don't go your way. We can't get involved in that, and when you do, it usually costs you. And uh, like right here, you don't get the kick return for a touchdown, then go out and score a touchdown on offense, and then get out of the drive on defense and go score another one. It's just we needed to do something to flip momentum. At 37-0, uh, we started seeing some more bench, bench depth on defense. With the four-game redshirt rule, um, are there any players you hadn't been playing 
that maybe you got in there and want to see play a little bit more here in the final four games while keeping their year of eligibility. And injuries were also an issue coming into the game too. You had to use some more depth. Yeah, injuries were an issue and we needed a spark and it was an opportunity at that point to get some guys some critical reps of who we believe, you know, can be the future of our defense in there. I thought Ace Kafusi came in and did some good things. Uh, Caleb Christensen came in and made some huge plays. Jaden Dunlap. Saw Jaden out there, uh, yeah. Those guys stood out to me. That was a huge fourth down stop that those guys came up with. Uh, so, you know, I was happy with the juice and the spark that those guys gave us. Uh, maybe we should have played them a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. That always goes back to something that we evaluate as coaches. Um, the reality is uh, there were a lot of guys that came in late in that game that I thought did a good job. And some of those guys part of the four-game group? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Jaden Dunlap's one of those guys yeah. that can still play the, you know, a few more games and still redshirt. Um, Ace Kafusi's one of those guys that that you know can get more and more reps as the season goes on. Cialia Sarah has been one that's starting to get more and more reps. Um, so. I don't know exactly who those guys are that we're going to continue to play and keep, okay. with un keep them under that four-game deal. But, uh, you know, it's definitely something we're evaluating this week. Okay. Uh, safeties group, how do you felt they feel they played on uh, Saturday? Um, we made tons of tackles. Um, both Slade and Crew Wakely had a ton of tackles. I think overall uh, we didn't do enough to affect the overall game. I don't think that there was a lot of good or bad necessarily that hurt us or helped us. Um, just it was one of those games where we need to be a little bit more stout up front, have the safeties actually tackling less. Mm. And then when they did have their opportunities, we need to make the play that, you know, flips the momentum, which we didn't do. Okay, a couple of offensive notes to end this segment. Uh, housekeeping note, offensive player of the week is uh, Kingsley Suamataia, the left tackle as selected by Aaron Roderick. So Kingsley gets the offensive player of the week nod. And then uh, Jake Retzloff got his first FBS start at quarterback and will save his year of eligibility while playing in these final four games, we'd presume. How do you think he did in hostile surroundings with challenging circumstances? Well, it was a challenging spot that we put him in. You know, it's hard for a starting or a backup quarterback to go in there when you don't have the lead. I thought Jake battled. I thought he, I thought he clawed. Um, he moved the ball for us, and uh, they moved it enough on offense that we should have done a better job getting out of drives and putting Jake and the offense in better situations. Um, I thought that was huge. And then I noticed Kingsley, too. I thought he played maybe his best game of the year and uh, did so many good things in this game. Um, but we can, we should be able to win with the way Jake played. Okay. Uh, general themes of maybe a, a message to your group post game, and then what you want your group to be having in their minds to start this week. Well, we can't let West Virginia beat us twice, and we didn't play great. We know it. The players know it. The coaches know it. We need to find a way to rebound. Um, the Big 12s a big-time conference, and you better be ready to go each week. And if you're not, then you can get embarrassed, especially on the road. And uh, you know, it, not all's lost. I know that the fans are frustrated. I promise you they're not more frustrated than the coaches and the players. Um, we expect to be good. We expect to win for our fans. We love the loyalty that they give us, and we hold ourselves to high expectations. And the reality is not all's lost. We've got to find a way to rebound and not let West Virginia beat us twice. All right. Thank you, Coach. Time again for a break as we step away. We remind you that your Cougar Sports day-to-day play-by-play is on BYU Sports Nation with Spencer and Jerem weekdays at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up on our final segment of this week's show, Coach Hill helps us look ahead to Saturday's showdown with Iowa State. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. This is The Coordinator's Corner. Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV is brought to you by... 
JCW's The Burger Boys. Here in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. This Saturday, at two teams within one win of bowl eligibility meet at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Five and four BYU, five and four Iowa State. BYU two and four in the Big 12 Cyclones, four and two. First of back-to-back -back home games for BYU with Oklahoma coming in next week. All right, Saturday's game kicks under the lights, 8.15 p.m. Mountain Time. We're here with def defensive coordinator Jay Hill. Uh, early scout on the Iowa State offense coming in here on Saturday. Well, I like the quarterback. It's another good uh, Big 12 offensive line. I really like their tight ends. They're physical um, and do a good job in the blocking game. Uh, this is a well-balanced offense. They can run it. They can throw it. Uh, I think the quarterback throws it maybe a little better than some of the teams we've faced the last couple weeks. But um, I think they're balanced. We need to do a great job of you know, going in there making our presence felt because we're facing on the flip side of that. We're facing one of the better defenses in the Big 12, if not the country. And on offense, they're kind of like BYU has been, good in the red zone and, and, uh, and pretty good with the turnover margin as well, taking yeah. care of it. Yeah, they take care of the ball. They do a great job on defense. They're well coached on special teams. Um, this is a well coached, tough team coming in here. Um, they've had their setbacks as well this year, but um, they've, they've done kind of like us. They've won some huge games and then they've lost some that maybe they feel poorly about. Um, but we'll, we'll see a really good Big 12 team coming in here. And like West Virginia, projected lower tier playing in the upper tier of the Big 12 right now for the most part, too. Uh, one win from bowl qualification, that and a winning record, things to play for. There's a lot on the line for BYU coming down the stretch here. Well, there is. You know, most of the national news media didn't have us winning only about three or four games this year. And for sure, most people didn't have us going to a bowl game. So we, if we can be bowl eligible with two games left and an opportunity to move up the rankings in the Big 12 and still prove to ourselves that, uh, that we can have the season that we want to have, I mean, there's a lot to be playing for, a lot of pride, a lot of uh, just that good season that's yeah. still out there in front of us. We just got to do it. Coach, have a good week of prep and good luck against the Cyclones. Can't wait. All right, thank you, Jay. That'll do it uh, for Coach Papinga and Coach Jay Hill and our entire crew. I'm Greg Grubel. See you next week. Have a great week. Go Kooks. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thanks.